with the Ric Flair intro music. I thought that would be good. We either play it or I can make you guys sing it and harmonize it and I can edit it together. So either a copyright violation or we can make Chris have fun. I think the copyright violation is probably the route we're going. It's exactly what I envision. All right, we'll make it happen. Boom, 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 boom. Now we need the Chris Cow impression. <laughs> Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host, Brendan Sinone, joined by Zach Blostein and Christopher Neath. Gentlemen, welcome to the finish line. The end of June is here. We made it. You made it. They all made it. Let's give each other a round of applause. You do realize there's actually like an entire week left of June almost. But the dead period is upon us. Things have gone quiet. Electronic communication can happen, but no more in person. We can again see our families. Gabby is so happy. Our camp's done. done. Our official visit's done. All right, and shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. It's been a long month. Brendan, we're not starting on a good tone here on a good day. Right you are, Christopher. There is some good news uh, on the horizon. I definitely didn't edit out the last three minutes of this podcast being inappropriate and uh, off the rails. Uh, So let's get into it. Big Rod Curdy commits to Florida State. That's going to be the starting point for this podcast. It's a huge win for the Seminoles and Alex Atkins. You guys got a hold of him. Uh, Zach got the story up. But I do want to start with Chris because Chris loves talking about the trenches. This guy's from the Jacksonville area. There's going to be talk whether he's a tackle or guard. So Chris, it just feels like it's right up your alley. I need you to get us going on this topic. He is FSU's top-ranked commitment now in this class. He is from Orange Park, Florida, which obviously is suburbia of Jacksonville to some degree. He is a big, big boy who can move, and he likes to hit people. And, man, do I love watching his film. I think he can be an exceptional guard. I think he can wholeheartedly play tackle. Truthfully, I think he can play anywhere along the offensive line that you want to play him. I think he's a very, very talented dude. And he's a guy that they kind of earmarked very early in this process. They put in a ton of work with. And maybe the best part about today, he dropped an edit to commit to FSU. And I'm not sure he was off campus at UF at that point. He had technically ended his official visit roughly 30 minutes prior to committing to Florida State. What's the fastest you guys have realized that something wasn't going to work out? Maybe a relationship in your life. Uh, I forget, and speaking of Jacksonville kids, uh, I forget his name offhand, but there was a Jacksonville kid that committed to FSU many moons ago at the Bowden statue, and he got in the car and drove away, and then he immediately all went sideways because some of the family wasn't ready for him to commit. He got way ahead of himself. That's many moons ago. I'm going to have to look up the name. I'll put it in the thread to the podcast on the board when I – 
I find a name. I forget it offhand. I think he was a first coast kid, but I think he may have actually started his high school career at Orange Park. That macaroni and cheese at UF must have been horrid. As someone who's made some bad macaroni and cheese in their it day. It looked bad. It did look pretty awful. Um, although the uh, we're being transparent on this podcast, the steak pictures from UF's official or for Florida State's official visit weekend didn't look great either, for being honest and being fair. Anywho, I uh, like, Zach, I feel what? Like food criticism of official visits is just I, I don't I don't get it. Like, Overblown. I mean, it doesn't have to be great. Like the people hating on Sony's, which I don't I like. I like good barbecue. I don't consider Sony's good barbecue. Is it Sony's or Sunny's? I don't consider it good barbecue. Sony's, there's two ends in it. Sony but, makes electronics. Sunny's makes barbecue. Oh, that's true. No, I don't hate on it. It's it's mediocre to slightly below average barbecue, but it's sufficient. But you take a picture of it, it doesn't look awful. It can't look like like a hockey puck or soup if it's supposed to be macaroni and cheese. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta at least make it look decent. And again, this is from someone who's put out some awful macaroni and cheese pictures in his life. I'm speaking from experience. I've been bullied on the internet because of my macaroni and cheese takes. Anyways, that's not why you guys are listening to this podcast. Zach, you caught up with Rod Kearney. Uh, what's the deal? What was went into this uh, decision to commit to Florida State? And uh, and also, I'm curious just to get your thoughts on on this take for the Seminoles. Yeah, I mean, it's massive. Chris actually caught up with him. Oh. Um, I wrote the story. Wow. Um, I mean, Thank he basically... Back had, again. Yeah, he basically said that he wanted to get his decision out of the way. Um, he was tired of waiting, is what he told Chris. I mean, this goes back to, you know, Alex Atkins just doing doing his thing on the recruiting trail like usual. This is a relationship, like Chris mentioned, that has been established for years now. Someone that Florida State has identified in the 2023 class that they wanted from the go. Um, he got a, a ton of attention, especially over the past, like, six months or so from a bunch of SEC schools as well. Um, like Chris mentioned, he was on the, that official visit to Florida this past weekend um, and literally left today and not even 30 minutes after he declined to comment to UF reporters out there in Gainesville, he dropped this edit on Instagram and, and committed to FSU. It's massive. Um, I'll get, I'll let you get into kind of the more scouting aspect to it. Um, but I agree with Chris. I think he can be an exceptional, exceptional offensive guard um, and can even play tackle where he plays primarily at the high school level right now. Yeah, a big dude who can move the way he moves, the way he gets to the second level is really impressive. I put up a scouting report, uh, and I didn't go super in-depth because I know the X's and Knowles guys. Coach A.B. and Kev will be on the Knowles 24-7 YouTube page, I believe, this evening to do a Rod Kearney scouting report. They'll be more thorough than what I did. I just wanted to have fun with it because he's so big and so physical and so athletic at his size that there's really not a whole lot of like need for me to, to break it down. Like he just, just go ahead. There's like four clips there of him just destroying people. There's one play in particular that I thought was hilarious in which he, uh, in which he's blocking a linebacker to like the secondary and there's an interception on the play. He somehow manages like to drive the linebacker back an extra five yards and then into the safety who had the interception and somehow tackles the safety in one fell swoop. So he had a block, a pancake block, and a tackle, not just on the same play, but in the same sequence, like at the very same time. So he's good. And you know who else is good? Alex Atkins. I think this is Alex Atkins appreciation time. Uh, not that we haven't done this before, but this past recruiting class that FSU put together, 10 offensive linemen, six uh, players from the prep level, 
four from the transfer portal. The most recent was Jason Turnitin, who I mentioned briefly on the last podcast, but I didn't get Chris and Zach's thoughts on that addition. Uh, fellas, do we want to talk about real quick, just kind of the fortunes of potentially changing for Florida State's offensive line? I know it's been a slow, steady bird. This just seems to be a continual process that Alex Atkins is investing in of, of throwing bodies at the problem, developing it slowly but surely to get back to a an adequate level of play in the trenches. Yeah, I, I think actually Kearney and talking about 23 is a good way to reflect on 22. 22 was about ability and numbers. They rebuilt the depth chart. They took some young guys. They took some veteran guys. They have guys who are swing linemen, Bless Harris, Turnitin, are both guys that I think will help them in situations where if they need to go to a sixth or seventh option, it's much better than it was a season ago. They've also added some young talent guys like Armella, Quishon Sapp, so on and so forth. So that class was all about rebuilding a depth chart. They're, they're at, what, 18 scholarship offensive linemen? Is that the number right now, I think? For this coming season, I, that, I thought it was impressive. 19. 19 okay, so in that the ballpark, that's impressive. And there's a lot of people in there that can play right now. And there's a lot of guys in there that I think they feel confident will be pieces to their future, but they're going to be given time to develop. And that was sort of the important thing was get enough capable bodies for today, have enough capable bodies for the future and for tomorrow. The transition is going from that 22 group where it was so much about numbers and rebuilding it. 23 to me is going to be more about acquiring high-level elite talent. Not to say they haven't gotten some really good players in the past, but I think it's going to be more a selective group. You know, a guy like Rod Kearney is a great start. It's a great example. A guy like Lucas Simmons, who's here this weekend for his official, he is probably one of, if not the best offensive tackles in the country this year. And FSU has a real chance of landing him. Alex Atkins has done an exceptional job job there. DJ Chester, young man that they had on campus twice, in June is another guy that they love, another guy that can play multiple positions, another guy that I think they view as an elite possibility. There's a lot of offensive linemen on the board, but he's built a tier system with the way he's recruited of guys who are high commodity guys they definitely want in the boat, and Kearney was one of those. And then they've got guys who, if they end up missing on one of these above that line, they feel comfortable enough. And, you know, Jatavia Shivers, who committed to Vanderbilt, is an example of a guy who was below that line, but they liked him. They thought he was good. He's going to be an SEC lineman, albeit at Vanderbilt, but he's still going to be an SEC lineman. So I think it just kind of speaks to Alex Atkins does a phenomenal job of one recruiting, building relationships, being real with kids and kids really eat it up. And he also develops kids when they go on campus. He, he's an excellent combination of a guy with a personality and a guy who's got coaching chops. He's very good at both things. And I, I think that proves itself time over time again, and that's why he's able to go acquire this kind of talent. I think the thing you're going to see now is he's going from fixing a problem to making it into a true strength of the football team. And I think this class that he's now working towards 23, that Kearney's part of, I think it's going to be kind of a stamp of, man, he's going to be able to go out in any given year and get three to six, whatever the number that is needed, is necessary, and get really, really good players. The only way I think the numbers really inflate for him in 23 is if he doesn't love what's available in 24. I think there are some guys in 23 that are just below that line that he likes, that if they're better than what he's evaluated early on for 24, we could see the number increase a little bit in 23, basically to offset a 24 class that may be very small, very minimal, if there's not more guys that emerge that they like. But bigger body guys also emerge a little later, so there's a great chance that 24 kids are going to emerge during this upcoming season. 
Let's transition to the official visit weekend, and we'll start with Lucas Simmons since Chris mentioned him. He's one of the bigger names that were on campus. He's a top, well, I was going to say 100 prospect, 107 nationally from Clearwater Academy International from Sweden. His family was here with him, uh, and they returned back home. Uh, he goes back to Clearwater after the official visit. Dane Draper caught up with Lucas Simmons for us. We're working on posting that now on those 24-7. Dane is. That's why he's out on the podcast with us today. Uh, but who wants to go ahead and take a take a turn here talking about the Lucas Simmons recruitment, where things stand with Florida State after the OV right now? Yeah, I mean, for the past two months, no 24-7 has had Lucas Simmons as the number one on Florida State's top 10 most wanted list. Um, you know, if he doesn't commit, I plan to release another one this coming week. He doesn't commit to any school by then. I plan to keep him there. I think he's just such an important recruit for FSU. We talk about it every single cycle. They need an elite to close to elite offensive tackle prospect out of the high school level that they can develop and they can make their starting left tackle um, for years to come. And I think that Lucas Simmons is just that. Um, I think he'd be massive if FSU were to land him. And I think after this weekend, they have a decent shot. Um, Dane actually dropped a little note in our message thread that in the interview with Simmons, I found this interesting. He said that he only talks to Alex Atkins like once a week or once every two weeks um, because Lucas Simmons isn't a a recruit that wants to be, you know, pressed. He doesn't want to be on the phone all the time. Um, He's hearing hearing from a ton of schools. So, but in that same line, he also said that Atkins is the coach he has the best relationship with out of any school. So I think that just says a lot about what Atkins does and just, you know, talking to him once every two weeks and and still being the coach that he has the best bond with is pretty impressive. I mean, it just goes to show just how great of a recruiter Atkins is. And I think this cycle is finally the cycle we see Atkins get land some elite dudes. I last cycle, he landed some quality options. I mean, Julian Armella was was a beast, um, four-star prospect, Quayshon Sapp, Tay Woody, you know, there, there's a ton of others I can name, Jalen Early. Um, but I think this cycle, like Rod Kearney, for instance, like he's a fringe top 100 prospect on the top 247 composite. He just landed him. I think Lucas Simmons is in that same ballpark or even uh, pushing into the top 100. Like, I can't remember the last time FSU was recruiting and had a really, really good shot at landing multiple top 100 offensive linemen. Um, so it's just impressive. And, and you know, we'll see what uh, once it, once this podcast is out, you guys will be able to see uh, the article that Dane Draper posted regarding Lucas Simmons's official visit to Florida State over the weekend. Um, and we'll see what he says on that. I expect him to make a decision soon. That's what he told me prior to the official visit. Um, probably within the month of July is what I'm expecting. All right. So Keldrick Falk was probably the preeminent name of the official visitors this week, at least the highest rated 84th nationally defensive end from Highland home, Alabama, someone that the Seminoles have put themselves in good position for. I think he's uh, named a top four with FSU in it today. Chris, what were your thoughts on the exit interview with Keldrick Falk and kind of what's, what's next for him in this recruiting process? I mean, Falk's been here a few times, built a really good bond with Austin Tucker. He's also built a really good bond with John Papuchas. Um, FSU's done a very good job of recruiting him and it being consistent throughout that relationship dates back a couple years. Uh, this weekend was about him getting his family on campus, all of it. And he's had some family with him in past on the past visits, but 
this was the most uh, largest circle of family that surrounded him on this visit. And I think that was very, very important for him, especially from a mother perspective. And then I would also add that another big thing with him is that he took four officials this month to his four finalists that he's deciding from on July 5th. That's Clemson, Auburn, Florida, Florida State. FSU was his last official, and that was by design. I do believe there's some significance to that. I don't know that he's made a decision yet. He said he has not. It's going to be interesting. I don't ever like dismissing the home team. In, the, in this case, that's Auburn because he's from Alabama. But Clemson's the one that probably concerns me the most with regards to FSU's chances. But FSU has put in a ton of work there. I think Jermaine Johnson, his recent success and what the staff helped him do is something that stands out to Keldrick. FSU has a real shot there with him. He's kind of a, a brief kid in the way he talks about things, but he, he likes this place. He's very comfortable at this place. If it comes down to relationships for a young man, I think FSU wins out in the end. Jermaine O'Neal. Next up, Avery Stewart, another top 200 prospect, uh, also from Alabama, the Montgomery area. Chris, by the time I almost made it to Montgomery. I'm sorry I did that to you, but never again. Oh, you apologize. Finally, years later. Thank you. We can heal yeah. now. The healing process. So on Avery Stewart, he is deciding on July 6th, I believe it coincides with his grandmother, who I believe passed. I don't know if it's her birthday or what exactly it was, but that's why he picked that date. He said all six of his finalists are in there. He put out a top six a few months ago. In reality, I think it's really an FSU-Kentucky battle at the top. The other schools in there were Auburn, Michigan State, Miami, and I'm forgetting six. It might have been Arkansas. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I think this is an FSU-Kentucky deal. He visited Kentucky for an official two weeks ago, FSU for an official this weekend. Those are the only officials he's taken in this process. He also took an unofficial to FSU back, I believe it was in May. Marcus Woodson's put in a lot of work here. He's a six foot two, long DB, kind of kid that can start at corner and then, you know, if they need to, they'll move him to safety, which is kind of how they recruit the secondary to some degree. They don't fall in love with high school kids as necessarily safeties. They fall in love with them as versatile players who can play multiple spots. He falls into that. He's come with mom and dad on both of the visits, the unofficial and the official. I think it's promising that he set his commitment date immediately exiting the FSU visit, but I don't have it concrete yet. That is FSU. That's one of those things we're chasing as we're chasing a lot of stuff when official visits wrap up. Yeah, you're allowed to not have every single answer uh, definitively, Chris, after an official visit. Weekend. It's okay. No, he's not. Come I'm on. Kidding. No, he, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's okay. Zach, do you want to talk about Darren Smothers or Samuel Singleton? Two running backs ranked almost exactly similar to each other. One's 219, the other one's 221 nationally. Which one do you want to talk about? Hollywood. <laughs> Dalen Smothers. Um, <laughs> Four-star running back out of West Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Um, FSU's been on in on him for over a year now. His first visit to campus was last June. He then visited uh, this spring and then was back um, for his final official visit of June. Um, this past weekend. So FSU did a great job. Um, he, he talked at length about his relationship with, with Coach Yak and, and also um, Director of High School Relations, Ryan Bartow. He mentioned that this was the only official visit that his mother was on. Um, and I was told that she has a really good relationship with, with Yak. I think that's one of the only coaches in his recruiting process that, that she speaks to. Um, so I think that's pretty important, obviously. We see like nine out of 10 recruitments. Usually if the, if the mom's on board, that school's going to win. 
I'm he not said sure. he said after the interview yeah. after the exit interview. Yeah, that why, don't you, mom, why don't you get into that? All right. I'm just my theory here. I went back. So the way today works is I was at the airport to help out. I was the last line of defense. Well, Chris and Zach and Dane were on the bench or bench adjacent to get guys exiting. The more I was at the airport in case anyone snuck past them or declined to do an exit interview to try to be there for one more interview. So, and I only got snubbed once. Uh, Anyways, on the way back to the more, I said, what can I do to help out? And they said, why don't you transcribe some of these video interviews and help put them up on the website so people can see what they said instead of having to go through the videos. So that's what I did. I was trying to help out. And I'm doing the Dalen Smothers transcription. And he was asked about his mother and being on the official visit that Zach was alluding to there. And he said that she was in the office with Mike Norvell and started crying. Why else would someone start crying unless something significant happened like a commitment, Zach? Maybe she was a proud mom. And she started crying. Yeah, she teared up. That's what he said. He didn't say she started bawling crying. She teared up. She was out there and looked completely fine after the when they came out of the moor. I'm not buying your theory. I do think FSU is a good shot. I don't think he committed, though. Just, just my thought. Um, but yeah, FSU is a good shot. They want to have two running backs in this class. Dalen Smothers uh, is a guy they really want. I think he's their top target. And Sam Singleton, like you mentioned, is not far behind him. I'll let I'll let Chris get into Singleton because he spoke with him. Yeah, Sam came with a bunch of family: little brother, I believe, little sister, mom, dad, some others. Did uh, it was anyone an cry? Visit for not to my knowledge, but I don't Everyone go for cried. emotional responses ever since the wink happened. Because when the wink oh. happened, I sent you to Alabama, and that brings us back to that conversation. I cried so, on the way back home from that. <laughs> back to Sam Singleton here. A uh, talented kid, Orange Park area, Fleming Island High School, not the same school as Rod Kearney, just to clear that up for anyone who doesn't understand that. He's been to FSU a couple times. The last time he came, Yak was not here. I think Yak was at a camp for his son, if I recall correctly. It was just one of those things where the timing didn't work out. So this opportunity was a great chance for him to really sit down and get to know the running backs coach in person, do a lot of whiteboard chalk talk kind of stuff, and just get a better feel for the guy who would be a prospective position coach. I think it's telling that Sam's recruitment's kind of gone a little bit at snail's pace. And FSU is the only school he's really at any point to this point now really considered to take an official visit to. And I think that was more on his end than FSU pushing for it to happen. He talked today about contemplating moving up his decision window and that the visit did that to him. So I think that's also significant. He mentioned Tennessee and Penn State. There might have been another school or two, but those are two that I recall him mentioning. As others said, he has interest in maybe wants to see before he makes a decision. But I think he's in a decision mode where he would not be against coming here. He did mention, and it's probably the most significant thing he said, mom and dad both want him at FSU. I think proximity and what they do with running backs appeals to him. Both he and Smothers spoke a good bit about the success rate that FSU has had at running back and that Mike Norvell has had at running back at multiple stops. Let's move on to, you know what, I'm going to do two for one because Zach dropped two crystal balls this weekend. I think we need to go over both of Zach's balls and expound on them a little bit. No comment. Um, Two crystal balls that I dropped. One was this past Friday for three-star linebacker DeMarco Ward. Both of of these guys were on officials this weekend. Um, Tavion Gatson was the other three-star defensive lineman out of Savannah, Georgia. 
Um, I felt that Ward might have committed, or it was a possibility that he was going to commit to Florida State over the weekend. I'm not sure that happened, but I think that FSU sits in the best spot for him right now. Um, I've got to check and, and see what his decision timeline is. I believe he, they, he told Chris and, and the others that were out there. We were we were somewhere else for that that part, but I believe he told them that um, a decision could come soon, but that he might also take some visits during the season. So we'll see. Um, I know FSU feels good, um, but they felt it was kind of hard to read where he was at um, in his recruiting process. On the flip side, I think FSU has a really good shot at landing uh, three-star defensive lineman Tavion Gadsden in the near future. I put in that crystal ball, I believe, today, this morning. Um, we got word that um, I felt, you know, I, I felt pretty good that, that Gadsden could end up in this class. So um, we spoke with him, an exclusive on those 24-7 up right now. I asked him whether he considered committing on the visit to Florida State, and he kind of laughed and he said, that's a really funny question. So um, take that for what you will, but I think FSU has a good shot at both. Um, definitely feel like Gadsden could happen in the near future, um, based on what I was told recently. So Gadsden's an interior guy. JP John Papuchas has helped recruit him quite a bit because Savannah's his area. Odell Higgins has also done a very good job in recruiting there. I think Gadsden has a great deal of comfort with Odell and what he would do with him as a position player. Gadsden, to me, is a young man. His body's evolved. He went from being more of an edge to more of an interior guy. His mindset's also now having to evolve from being an edge guy to being more of an interior guy. Not many people in the business better to learn how to be an interior guy from than Odell Higgins. So I think he's somebody they would love to lump there with KJ Sampson on the interior, still pursuing a guy like Jordan Hall. If they were to take three in the class, Jordan Hall is pretty elite in my opinion. On DeMarco Ward, I did speak with him. He said that he could make a decision sometime around the end of the summer or the beginning of the season. He's a little wishy-washy on it. I didn't really take that as a timeline that I think he's going to adamantly stick to. I think it could change in a multitude of ways. He did say there are a couple other places that because FSU is his first official and it's a place, again, he wanted to go check out. He did say there's a couple other places he could potentially visit, did not name those potential destinations when pressed on that. Uh, big thing with him, he has a good relationship with Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon likes him a heck of a lot from what I understand. And the fact that he can play a multitude of linebacker positions and be used in a multitude of ways is appealing both Randy Shannon to him and him and dealing with Randy Shannon as prospective position coach. FSU's done a really, really good job with DeMarco Ward. They're way ahead of the pack in comparison to the others recruiting him. If he makes an immediate decision, it's FSU. It's obviously one of those that would probably be more beneficial if FSU does truly want him in the boat, that it happens sooner rather than later. As options come on the board, other schools start going further down their boards, and DeMarco Ward might be a name that some come upon for the linebacker recruiting. Okay, last but certainly not least, but maybe the most difficult one, I guess, to, to put into context here, that's partially because we didn't, partially, that we didn't get him for an exit interview, and that is longtime Florida State commitment Chris Parson, quarterback. Uh, he declined to do an interview exiting the moor, from my understanding. I was there at the airport. I spoke with his dad for a second, but Chris kind of stuck through and went to the security line before we can get him. Uh, so he did not do an exit interview. It seemed to be by choice. It is kind of peculiar for a longtime quarterback commitment to not just speak 
after an official visit, you would think, but it has been a different recruitment. So I don't know what else we want to add to that right now, fellas. That, that's all I have for context at the moment. Well, to just paint the picture a little bit, he came up to the moor along with family. He was accompanied by his father. Uh, I think mom was with them. And then brother and sister as well was with the travel party. And they came up and they spoke with uh, Coach Norvell, Coach Tokars, Coach Thompson. Uh, I think Derek Gray was also out there. And they kind of met in the parking lot. Chris never actually went back in the moor this morning in the time I was there. So they kind of met in the parking lot, spoke for a couple minutes, hopped in the SUV, headed to the airport to fly out. As you mentioned, you tried to speak to him at the airport. That was a no-go. They said thanks, but no thanks. Decided to go through security, head home. Chris hasn't really talked about his recruitment now for three weeks. He he spoke on it after the elite camp when Bud and some others caught up with him when Bud was here for the elite camp with us. And he talked a little bit about then. Since then, he's taken an unofficial to Mississippi State, an official to SMU, an official to FSU. He will now head to Los Angeles on, I believe, Monday evening, maybe Tuesday morning for the Elite 11 finals. That's obviously a heavily covered event where there will be a lot of media present. It will be interesting to see if he speaks on things there. I, you know, I, I don't I don't want to get into rumor and all of that with him. I, you know, I think that is a to-be-determined recruitment right now in the sense of is he going to stick? Are both parties where things stand? What's next for FSU at quarterback recruiting? Because they're not going to stop recruiting Brock Glenn. We know that. It's going to be interesting to kind of watch it transpire. You know, Jaden Rashada committed while we were recording this in Miami. That's another quarterback domino that's fallen. Obviously, we all saw Arch Manning happen here in recent days. Quarterback dominoes start falling. They fall really fast. It causes kind of a trigger effect. Some schools take guys. Other schools miss out on guys, start pursuing other guys. Things change real fast, and that's a position where – a lot of names can come off the board in a very brief period. With the Elite 11 Finals, I think there's a healthy chance that we see a good bit of movement with quarterbacks here in the next week to two weeks. It's going to be interesting where FSU stands with their recruiting of the position and with their relationship with Chris Parson when the dust settles here in a couple weeks. Anything to add to that, Zach, or anything you want to clarify before we, we get into the rest of the quarterback recruiting? No, I mean, I think Chris hit it, um, just said everything right. I think uh, – It'll be interesting to see what Parson does if Florida State does end up getting a second quarterback in the class. Um, let's say they win out for Brock Glenn. I'm not saying that that's happening or I'm predicting that. But in the case that they do, how does that impact Chris Parson's commitment to Florida State? That's to be determined. Obviously, we've seen, you know, over the past few months, there's been it's been a little shaky, right? And he's taken two visits elsewhere, um, just hasn't been as active recruiting for FSU. I think this weekend was a good note for both sides. Um, they're able to, you know, share whatever was going on um, and kind of figure things out a little bit. Um, but I think it's to be determined, right? Because I think Florida State wants to have two quarterbacks in this class. So um, depending on how that happens and how that unfolds, it'll be interesting to see how that affects Parsons' recruitment and commitment to Florida State moving forward. One quick note on CP today when Rod Kearney committed to FSU, First person I actually saw congratulate him on sort of like the handshake welcome to thing too was Chris Parson and Rod Kearney. So just putting that yeah. out there. It is interesting. I mean, he showed up for the official. Truthfully, if you asked me a week ago, I wasn't really convinced that it would happen from both party sides. I just wasn't sure. Some of that is because the Parson party is keeping things quiet. That's their desire. And, you know, with FSU situation, it is what it is. Um, but he did show up. They had a good weekend. 
You know, he got to spend a lot of time with his potential future head coach, his potential future position coach. I would feel like they all have a pretty good feeling of where they stand with one another as the dust settles on this weekend. Yeah, the fact that he showed up, I think, is is telling and impressive. And that was, there was a reason why we, we were still kind of chasing that up until Friday evening to make sure and confirm that that visit was going to happen uh, as planned. So I'm not trying to stir the pot here, just say that this is a, a good development and that it's been interesting to monitor. I think that Florida State would still take two commitments at quarterback and Chris would absolutely be one of them. I've been pretty consistent in saying that throughout is that, that Chris Parson is someone that Florida State would like to be uh, a part of this class. I think they just want to hedge their bets and take another one as well. Uh, and someone like Brock Glenn is only ascending. He's moving up in the rankings. Uh, he's someone who just picked up an LSU offer. Obviously, yeah, the Ohio State offer an official visit that was added in during this process. There's been rumors of other SEC, SEC schools getting in for Brock Glenn. So uh, he's someone who we're going to be watching and monitoring his recruitment because he seems to be priority number one for Florida State right now in terms of the uncommitted quarterbacks as they're trying to add to this quarterback room. So, And he will be at the Elite 11 as well, right, Chris? Brock Glenn? Yes, Brock Glenn will be there. Ricky Collins, who also came into FSU on an official a couple of weeks ago, same weekend as Brock Glenn. He will also be there. I got a new commitment. A note on Ricky Collins. I fairly certain that that that'll probably, probably remain committed to Purdue unless LSU becomes aggressive in pursuing the Baton Rouge native. So I think that guy's Ricky, probably not in the mix. Ricky hasn't talked a great deal since his official to FSU. He has been extremely vocal on social media, though, of supporting Purdue's class. And as they are accumulating commitments this month, you know, speaking up on that. So, yeah, I, I think it definitely points to that's at least where the water's churning towards right now with regards to him. But, yeah, the Elite 11s this week, you know, from an FSU quarterback recruiting perspective, it, it's intriguing. It'll be a pivotal week coming up here. I think in a pivotal month, aren't they all though? Aren't they all? All right. Is that everything for recruiting? I had one more thing I want to get to, to wrap up the podcast, but I want to make sure recruiting wise, we got a bow on it for right now. As this will probably be our oh. only podcast of the week. Real quick, Jimothy Lewis, who's uh, ranked by 24 seven as a number one offensive tackle in the 24 class. And he's, I think number eight in the composite at the position. For the 2024 class, he's from Mississippi. He came in for a brief visit today. The family was going from Mississippi to Orlando for vacation. He stopped by, uh, you know, got a couple hours in him, mom, dad, and I believe his sister. So second time on campus this month in June. He was also at the mega camp. I think that's worth noting. Um, you know, but it's Mississippi. We know how that tends to play out. And then uh, the other thing is, I mean, I, reviewing June just real quickly in the sense of officials, unofficials, elite camp, they got a vast majority of their top targets on campus. There are some that did not ever step on campus this month. Jalen Brown, Hakeem Williams are probably the two top players that I can think of that fit that description. But in general, you know, the board, recruiting to the board of what we believe is their top targets, they did a fairly good job of getting a majority of those guys in for a visit. I think they have an idea of where they stand at most positions as June is coming to a close in the dead period setting. And, and obviously a lot of kids are about to commit uh, June into July is kind of a heavy commitment period. Quarterback position leads to charge, but other positions it certainly happens at as well. 
So I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of where FSU is when things open back up that last week of July with who they truly have a shot at that they've been recruiting long-term versus what positions do we need to start now looking at the next guys up that weren't necessarily thought of as at the top of their board. Okay. I have, I want to go around the horn here. I have one little exercise I want us to do before we get out of here. I will say before we wrap up the podcast, I, I lied. I said this will be the only podcast of the week. It'll be the only traditional on the bench recruiting roundup type of uh, podcast of the week. There might be one more later on. If that does happen as planned, there will be an announcement on it. It'll be something I'm looking forward to. It'll be a little untraditional. And yeah, so be on the lookout for that the next time you see OTB drop in the feed. All right, fellas, as we go around here and recap a long month of June, uh, you guys were out there a ton. I was out there a little bit, but not anywhere as much as you were. It was a long month, a grind. Uh, what was your favorite part of the month? I will start by saying it was throwing my hat on Dane's head. It's something that we tried to do since the start of camp was to take my hat and flip it onto someone's head from far away. And in the very last day of camp, it landed on Dane's head, not once, but twice. And that made me happy. Yeah. I would say Dane's special deliveries. It's good. That's inside it. joke. I love inside jokes. Love to be a part of one someday. I would say mine's actually football related. I really enjoyed being at the elite camp and Quindarius Jones kind of coming out of nowhere. Ooh, I thought he was really, really good that night. I, I, I thought he was really good that night. I commented. I thought he was the best player there without an offer. Fast forward a week, he's committed. You know, I know he doesn't have a ranking slapped on him, and everybody loves to be skeptical, but that kid can play football. I think he changed their thoughts on some of the guys they were recruiting at defensive back then in there because he came to a camp and he proved it. And I think they feel comfortable enough having watched him in the spring and having film on him that they got a really good football player. All right, guys, I think that's everything. This has been a great month. You worked really, really hard and I'm proud of you and I love you guys. You killed it. You killed this podcast. You did too, buddy. Thanks. podcast was the bomb. some big news to get to we get to talk about the big uglies in the trenches oh i'm not i'm not i mean roderick Curdy seems like a fairly all right three two one <laughs> i don't want to talk about the way he looks <laughs> i put a shirt on <laughs> there's no upside either direction i went on that <laughs> there is literally nowhere good to go all right Three, two, one. Bloody <laughs> hell, man. We're just stalling for, for Dame to join us. <laughs>